is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Danielle Natoni is the trainer, motivator, and mompreneur responsible for the incredibly successful website Fit and Funky. Danielle is a former teacher who took her passion to educate and inspire to the world of fitness when she was introduced to Beachbody in 2010. She now keeps busy as a trainer and motivator as well as CEO of Fit and Funky, social media influencer, creative director for Insanity's Sean T, wife, and mom. She does all this while staying in incredible shape and teaching others how to do the same. In this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show, Danielle and I discuss the most effective strategies for time management and maximizing productivity in a busy world. We also discuss how to stay consistent with these practices. Furthermore, we go into her approach for being a high-performance athlete and trainer, as well as being a dedicated mom. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Danielle Natoni. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. All right, so we are here with Danielle Natoni, aka Fit and Funky. She's a world class expert in productivity, time management. She's been in a bunch of best selling fitness DVDs like Insanity, The Asylum, and Insanity, The Asylum Volume 2, Max 30. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Why, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You've got an awesome story about how you got involved in health and fitness. Why don't you tell us the story of kind of how things came to be and how you got to this position? Sure. So I actually have always been fit. I grew up um, kind of dancing and my parents were into the old school, like my mom used to wear the um, leotards with the thong in the back in the 80s, you know, with the scrunch socks and Reeboks. And my dad was a, you know, a bodybuilder. And so I grew up in a family where fitness was important. So that's actually always been a little bit part of my DNA. But it was never part of my career. I was an elementary school teacher. I taught fifth grade math for a long time. So my tagline has kind of been from fractions to fitness. And so I found myself, though, in a place where I went to work every day. And I was the girl that brought her gym bag to the gym in the car, you know, in the car so I could go straight to the gym after work. But I was struggling and severely in debt. And I knew that I needed a second stream of income. And being slightly naive, I had no idea that group fitness instructors do not make a ton of money. Uh, I just saw them as these like great entities in the room with all these people and such energy. And I thought, well, obviously those people must make gadzooks of money. And so I need a second stream of income. Maybe I'll do that. And so I was wrong. Group exercise instructors do not make a ton of money. And they really do it because they're passionate about helping people and kind of leading a group of people in, you know, health and fitness. But it transitioned me into where I'm at today. So I went to a training. Um, it was a kickboxing training. And I just started teaching classes. And that just kind of became like this snowball effect where just different opportunities kind of kept coming my way as I became more proficient and as I really just loved it and hustled and 
worked harder and harder, I just started having more opportunities open up to where about a year and a half into starting, I was able to surpass my teacher income and decided to leave the field of formal education and move specifically just into fitness. And it was one of the best decisions that I ever made. That's pretty cool. Um, So you are known for being able to do more in a day than most mortals can do in in a week. What's what's your secret? <laughs> sure. So there, you know, there's no real secret other than, um, first of all, consistency. But I am a wife, and I have two children. Um, they're 14 and 10 um, as of this interview today, and so they're involved. You know, I always laugh a little bit when people are like, "Oh, I'm so busy. I have small children," and I think just wait until they get older because I literally am just juggling volleyball practices and volleyball schedules and after school this and friends and so their whole social calendar in conjunction with mine leaves me no choice but to be extremely organized. So the first thing I would say is that you have got to get a system down. So the number one thing that I am is on my calendar, which I happen to use my calendar on my computer and my phone, but if you use a paper calendar or whatever, that sucker is color-coded. So if you open it up, it almost looks like a game board because there are just blocks and colors everywhere. But that's how I know what's going on in any given day. So, you know, my personal items for me are red and the kids' items are in purple and, you know, any kind of bills are in green. And if I have meetings for my company that I run, those are in blue. And so I do that so that at any given moment, I can glance at that calendar and just based on the color, know what's going on. And that's kind of what keeps us sane. So I start with that, with the calendar. The calendar is the number one thing. And anything of importance whatsoever goes on that calendar. So my workouts go on that calendar, even though I'm super consistent there. And I know I'm going to work out every single day that goes in my calendar. So you you schedule them. Schedule it because there are days where perhaps my schedule is different. Maybe I'm traveling or, you know, typically I work out first thing in the morning um, when the kids are getting ready for school. But if I'm traveling or things are going on, that may not happen. So I need it to be in there, even though mentally I might know, okay, I'm going to work out in between these two meetings. I want to see it on my calendar because if it's on calendar, it is not getting missed. So anything of any kind of importance goes on in my calendar. If I need to um, send somebody an email, so let's say you said to me, you know what, follow back with me in a week and um, let's touch base on that. I'm going to put a little thing in the calendar that says reach out to Anthony and I'm going to put the day and the time that I want to do that. Um, because if it's on that calendar, it is getting done. For me, missing an appointment on the calendar is like just a giant jab to my heart. So if it is on there, I know it's going to get done. So literally, except for showering, everything gets scheduled into that calendar. That's probably one of the the first number one suggestions I have for everyone to stay organized and to get a ton done, especially if you're juggling not only your schedule, but kids' schedules. And that's typically who I tend to talk to is kind of like that working mom or what I call myself is the mompreneur, which is a wife and a mom who's also running a business from home. So um, that combined with a to-do list. So I'm sure everyone has a to-do list and everyone has different systems, but I rewrite my to-do list every single day, every day. And I used to use, um, a digital one, but there's something about that 
actual process of pen to paper with my to-do list and because I rewrite it every single day. So when things get crossed off, obviously that doesn't go on the new list and I rewrite them and there are things that I swear get rewritten over and over and over again. But that's constantly in the back of my brain because my brain had to go through that process of actually taking the pen to paper, writing that thing down and then the next day doing the same thing again. So that to-do list for me, especially pen to paper, um, and I just because I have a purse, um, I'm able to bring that with me everywhere I go. And when I did it on the computer, for me, it just wasn't as effective. But I love, because every day when I rewrite that to-do list, at the start of my day. It's one of the first things that I do. Not only am I kind of making a plan for what I plan to accomplish that day, but in the same token, new things might pop in. Like, oh, you know what? Let me write that down, because that's something that I want to do. Um, and I also try to organize them in such a way where top priority goes first. Um, and then, you know, kind of to like bigger idea things last. So um, to do list is huge for me. Two questions just from the processes that you've mentioned. Do you use the regular like iPhone application for your calendar? And is, is that what you color code when you're referring to color coding different things? So you can use iCal. Um, my husband, Deherna and Tony, um, is a super-duper researcher. And so uh, every app I have, every product I own, you can bet that hours of extensive research went into it. And so iCal is great, but he really loves an app called Fantastical um, or Fantastical. So it's like the word fantastic and then the word calendar on the end of it. And okay. um, it's like $4.99 for the app. And I have it on my phone, iPad, and computer. And it's just a little more aesthetically pleasing. Um, so it everything can still go into your iCal, and it'll actually still all push to your iCal. But it just um, it's just an easier viewing um, party, I guess you could say. And so, yes, you color code everything in there. Um, and I actually also use something called Acuity Scheduling, which is what I use for my clients. Um, when they want to schedule calls with me and so on and so forth. And Acuity Scheduling just links right to my calendar. Um, and so that actually comes up um, as well in Fantastical. So you can use iCal, um, but if you want to check out that app, that's what we use. And it's just a little more pleasing on the eyes, especially in the computer, which is where I really tend to look at it the most. I just It is one of those tabs that's always open on my computer. And I like to look at it in the day-only view um, during the day. And then at night, I switch it to the week view so that I can, again, kind of just glance at my week. And so one of the last things I do before bed each night is I check my calendar and make sure that I'm mentally prepared for the things that I've got going on in my next day. Uh, okay, that's pretty cool. That makes sense. And when you're writing things out on paper, your to-do list, mm -hmm. there's I've heard different people have different preferences with this. I used to have sure. to-do lists that were like, so big, there was no chance I would ever get to 90% sure. of them, even if I lived 200 years. Uh, and then there's other people that say, just do three things. What are, mm -hmm. what are the most important three things? Where do you fall on that? How many, how many items are typically on your to-do list and how do you structure it? Like, is there, how much space is in between each one? How do you specifically, how do you write it out? So I used to, when I was using um, an app on my phone, I used to have like five different lists and I would categorize it um, by areas of my life. So for example, I had a kid list um, and then I had a 
you know, workout, which was because I also create workouts and things um, for Insanity Live. So, you know, I would have different categories. And then my goal was to do at least one thing from each category a day. And that worked. But sometimes a project might take you longer, right? So for example, this morning, one of my big projects was I needed to finish creating this workout. And then I needed to upload the videos so that the other person that I work on with it could check them out and test it. So that took a big chunk of my morning. So I quit doing it that way. And I think that there's still value in that. But for me, I like to keep my to-do list to like 20 or under because I think anything really above that is just overwhelming to look at. Um, now that's to say though, I still have what I call like a big ideas page where, um, because I'm still using pen to paper on one side, it's just like numbered things that need to get done. And then the, on the other side, it's, and it's odd because I'm a really organized person, but the big ideas page is literally just, I might write sideways. I might write upside. It's like anywhere I can fit them in. And they're just like thoughts and phrases that pop out into my head. So when I'm creating my to-do list, then something from there might get migrated over into an actual thing that needs to get done. But I like to keep the list itself to pretty much 20 or under because I feel like that that's manageable. Then when I actually go into my day, my goal is honestly to get the biggest thing done first. So I'm sure you've heard this before, right? But a lot of people like to tackle those little goals or those little things on their to-do list so that they feel more accomplished. Whereas what I've learned is those little things are just, they're little. They could get done no matter what. And it's those big things that wind up keep getting pushed to the next day, the next day, the next day. So I try to find a big item um, that I could do or, you know, that book, Eat That Frog. I'm sure you've heard of it or, you know, read it. Same idea, right? You tackle that big frog first, get that out of the way, and then you can start working on the small ideas. But in a given day, if I can knock off, you know, a range of like two to four things off of my to-do list, then I feel pretty satisfied. And how do you determine what's a big frog versus a little frog? If I don't want to do it. Seriously, like if I look at it and I'm like, you know, and you kind of look at it and you stare at it for a second, you're like, oh gosh, I just, you know, I really don't want to do that. Um, for example, after I finished the whole workout piece this morning, before I got on this call, I've had on my to do list forever to, you know, watch two more videos in this training that I'm trying to get through on YouTube to really up my YouTube game this year. And every day I'm like, no, no, no. And so I looked at it again. I was like, oh. Okay. And so that's what I did before I did this because, you know, on the grand scheme of things, when I look at my to-do list, maybe that's not the thing that gives me the most self-satisfaction for finishing it, right? Because you can't see um, the end result, but it's been on there forever. I really didn't feel like doing it. And so those are kind of the things that I think, all right, let me tackle that first, kind of get that out of the way. Um, and then I can check off a couple of little smaller items. So usually if I look at it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Then I know I need to do that first. That's good. I, I heard the other day, like the most important habit of all is like, is doing the thing that you don't want to do. Yeah. And, um, so that's okay. So you basically pay attention to your instincts and then do the, do the opposite. If, if, if you don't want to do something, then you do it. Cause usually the things we don't want to do, we don't want to do them because they take a lot of time. They take a lot of effort. They take a lot of mental energy. And those, so those little items, they don't require as much of us. So it's of course the easier option to do that. But then when you do get that big ticket item off your list, it's like, huh, wow. And then you can take another one of those big ideas and put it onto your to-do list. So that's the other thing I like to do. If I, if I do accomplish a big idea, a big task, then I get to go to that ideas page and I get to put something 
back on there. And so that's the way I can ensure that I don't just have all these grand visions and big plans and then don't accomplish anything. Let's talk about your workouts because when sure. when you're describing to me doing the thing that you don't want to do, your workouts are pretty challenging. At least the, the fitness programs that you're in, they're all some sure. of the, they're known to be the hardest programs on the market. Sure. Is that the way that your personal workouts are as well? And have you always had that level of commitment where you're able to get yourself fired up for a workout that is incredibly grueling? Yeah. Let's be honest. I'm human. So are there days when I wake up and I'm like, oh, I do not want to work out or, oh, you know, I don't want to do that workout. Of course. But what I've learned for me, I will always work out first thing in the morning. Like unless 100% for some reason in my schedule, it has to be moved to the end of the day. But when I do it first thing in the morning, but it's basically before my brain has a chance to realize what the hell is going on, right? Like that's, but that's the honest truth. And then once I start, then inside of the workout's amazing, right? You're already in it. You're sweating. You, you feel good. The endorphins are pumping. So you know that it's worth it. But basically, you know, and people might think this is crazy, but when I wake up at 6 a.m. with the kids and they're getting ready for school and, you know, the volleyball or whatever, because they're a little bit older, while they're getting ready for school – that's immediately when I start my workout because I know I'm like, I'm not going to give myself a chance to come home and then check my phone or get on the computer. or do. So for me, if I can get it done first thing and it sets myself up for the entire rest of the day, cool. I just banged out an awesome workout and it's only 7 a.m. I'm awesome, right? And so then it's like my endorphins are flowing. I feel good. I feel productive. I'm ready to knock out the day. And by the time the night comes, I'm so exhausted that I sleep perfectly. And so then it just is this really nice cycle. But if you told me that I had to do those crazy insane workouts at 9 p.m., it, I wouldn't do it. And so for me, I feel like, you know, part of the ability to stay consistent and and get that done at such a hard level is by getting it done first things first. That makes sense. What what are your workouts like now? Like what are some of your go-to workouts if you if you know that you need to be super productive and energized? What do you make your own workouts? Do you throw in a DVD? How long are they? Kind of describe what's okay. what are the ones that you find yourself doing more and more frequently? So I love making workouts for other people. I do not like making workouts for myself. I would much prefer someone to tell me what to do. Now, I love teaching classes. I love creating workouts for people, but I have zero interest in writing a workout for myself. So um, uh, pretty much 99.9% .9 of the time, my workout is going to be in my living room with a, you know, a DVD. Um, so it's like you said earlier, I am in some of the Insanity brand workouts, so I really you know, I love those. Um, I love that style of training. I love, um, the amount of sweat that comes out. I feel like the more I sweat, the better the workout. And I just feel like it gets out all the bad and you're ready to take in all the good. So, you know, my go-to workouts are, are typically insanity style or, you know, I do work out with weights, um, at home, which is to say right now, you know, it's, you know, nothing crazy. It's not heavyweight because I'm just in my little living room here. Um, you know, but everything is less than 40 minutes, 40 minutes or less. Um, because, you know, I don't have time for, you know, hour, two hours. I'm certainly, that's just, just not going to fit into my schedule when, you know, I'm the one in this house that's in charge of getting everybody up and off to school and making sure everybody's fed and running an online business, you know, and having time for me. My workouts have to be really concise, 
but productive. And so I would much rather get it in in 40 minutes or less and be done and know that it was amazing. And you know, people ask me all the time, well, certainly you must do more than that. How many workouts a day do you do? I'm like, one. Well, oh, okay. But, you know, so they just don't understand that, yes, for 40 minutes or less, if you are really putting 100% effort into it, um, you know, this, my body, for I think I'm doing all right, 37 years old and, and two kids and, you know, um, I it's all done at home in, you know, very short amount of time because it's really about, you know, how effective can I be in that efficient amount of time versus, you know, I remember when I used to go to the gym and I'd be there for like an hour and a half and you know, why? Because I'm like talking in between and I'm trying to figure out what I wanted to do and so this, it's just like, let's get it done get it over with. Um, and then again, it fits nicely into my day. Wake up, do my workout, and now let's move on to the next thing. What What are some of the specific workouts that you really, really like? Like if you have to choose, if you're like, oh, you find yourself doing them over and over. Um, so Insanity Max 30 is a, a newer program that is out, and it's absolutely my favorite. It's 30 minutes. The modifier is so cute and nice. Um, which is to say that I'm the modifier in the program. Um, but there are workouts in there called Tabata, um, and they, they're strength-focused, so they're not high cardio. Um, and so those are my favorites. Um, my husband loves those too. It's just you feel like you just got you – know, you, it's all body-weighted resistance training, but you just feel strong and powerful um, afterwards. And then um, – I am a dancer at heart, so um, every once in a while I love to put in a, a dance DVD and kind of shake it out and you know throw on some high tops in here and and just whip all this fake hair around and um, you know have a good time and you know burn some calories while while shaking it out. But probably if I had to like say if there was like only one workout that I had to do like every single day, I would probably choose one of those Tabata style workouts. Awesome. Do you have a gym membership? Uh, technically, yes, because I teach at gyms. So um, I teach, you know, group fitness. So um, technically, yes, but I can. Uh, it has probably been years since I just walked in and said, "Oh, let me, you know, just go work out on on the floor here." Um, and I used to. That's where I started, and you know, I of course loved it. But now I just, for me, it's just perfect. I get up, I do my workout, and then I can just go right on about my day. Like, there is no lapse in time. So I have a gym membership simply because they give them to me um, because, you know, I teach classes. And, of course, I use the hotel gym whenever I travel. I do travel a lot. Um, but, again, it's usually me with my iPad um, doing somebody else's workout. Okay. And that, that I would presume, is because it also just reduces some of that decision fatigue. Like, you don't have to yeah. think – and, and I feel like a lot of times we, we get in our own way where we complicate things. We end up, we're doing research and we're looking up workouts on the internet and we're putting everything together and then we end up like not even doing the workout where if you just throw in a DVD and do that and just get moving, it's better than what you would probably end up doing otherwise, which may be nothing. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. When a workout is created, it takes a lot of time. Like, you just don't slap moves together, right? Like, every workout, whether you create it, I create it, another trainer creates it, right? There's, there's, you're looking at it from a biomechanical standpoint, and are we hitting all the major muscle groups, and are we working too many muscle groups, and did we work opposite and opposing, and right? Like, there's, did I hit every plane of motion? You're really trying to, so why don't 
play to come up with my own workout. And then I've got to be a mom. And then I've got to be an entrepreneur. And I said, so you're right. It does take out the decision-making power. It's like, great. Somebody went through all those steps for me. They made sure it hits all the right planes and motions. And if I follow this calendar, I'm going to hit every body part and I'm going to get results. So I'm going to follow that. And when it comes time for me to design workouts for other people, then cool. I'm going to take the time and I'm going to put in the process and I'm going to test and make sure it works. I don't want to have to go through that process daily for my workouts. For sure. For sure. What does, so you mentioned working out early in the morning. What Mm -hmm. beside, or what does the first 60 to 90 minutes of your day look like? Walk Mm -hmm. us through that and like where the working out fits in and, and what you do to set yourself up for high performance. So I wake up. And the first thing I have to do is go wake up the kids. So I keep it to the very last minute. Um, My husband and I are big on making sure we get adequate sleep. And since I have to wake up so early, um, you know, if they need to be up at 630, (laughs) I wake up at 627. So I just give myself that three-minute walk to to their bedrooms to wake them up. And then literally they're up. I make sure that they're up. Like they're not just, yeah, yeah, mom, I'm up. Once I know that they're actually physically up, I go out in the living room and I do my workout. So I, when I say that I do not give myself a chance to talk myself out of it, it happens within the first 10, 15 minutes that I'm awake. Are you practically um, working out in your pajamas? Um, so I set out the night before um, a sports bra and shorts right by the bedroom door um, so that I turn on the lights and so it's already set out and I just switch and put it on I mean so that I'm set up like I can't how can I look at the clothes on my floor that I set out for myself and then not work out right like it's a cue it's a mental trigger hi here you go here here's the cue now the habit is to go work out and your reward is you're going to feel amazing and be productive today right so if you've not read the power of habit it's another great book that just really talks about that kind of habit loop of what's the cue the cue is right there so it's clothes on the floor so I have those, I put them on, I go out, I work out immediately. And then right after I work out and finish, I just dry off enough to take the kids to school, um, take them to school, and I come home, and then that's when the computer comes out. I grab a cup of coffee, um, and we. I go through um, emails, and the first thing I do is I just sort through junk, delete anything that doesn't need to um, be looked at or isn't important, Um, And then I kind of do the same thing with my phone and then I check my to-do list, check my calendar, and then once I've done all that, then I'll go back to the emails and start answering and going through. And I try to do emails and social within like that first hour of working and then once I've done that, it's time to move on because as we all know, social media and emails can be a complete time suck. So if I don't put a time limit to that, And I could be answering emails and be on Facebook or Instagram all day long. So once I've kind of cleaned out the emails, I've looked at my to-do list, looked at my calendar, I'll give myself about a one-hour window to answer emails, post on social, reply on social. And then once that hour is over, now it's time to do something new that doesn't require me being on Instagram, Facebook, or email. That makes sense. Have you experimented with the four-hour work week approach of like batching your emails or putting that off until the afternoon, only allowing yourself, or is it, has it always been a morning thing? I can't. For me, I know there's people that say that that's so great. And for me, I can't. I go to bed every night at inbox zero. Um, that's just how I operate. And let's say there are days when, for example, I'm filming all day for videos. I actually, any break I get, I open up the email and I don't read them. I don't answer them, but I delete anything I know is junk, 
trash, doesn't need a response because I need, this is just for me. I need that notification number to not be like a hundred, right? I need it to be like a manageable number that I can look at. So, um, a lot of times when I'm dealing with emails, it's not even that I'm responding. It's just that I'm, I'm organizing it in such a way that it, for my brain is more manageable. So I'm sure that there is a lot of merit obviously to waiting, um, until the afternoon. But for me, I like to basically I do like two main times morning and then right before I go to, you know, I shut it down for the day. So, um, and the rest of the time in between is just kind of like weeding out things that are unnecessary. Okay. Very cool. What would you say are some of the things you do that give you these incredible levels of energy? So one is working out for sure. Um, you know, people always ask me, gosh, how do you stay so motivated? Why do you work out? I just work out because if I don't, I feel sluggish. I don't feel as good. Like I just love being active. Even if it's, I'm not working out, I'm going to walk. I'm going to be outside. Like, so I just enjoy being active. Number two, this is just my personality also. Like I would be completely faulted to say that like part of my energy just isn't really part of who been really loud, boisterous, um, you know, bubbly person ready to take on the day. Um, sleep for sure would be another one. I know that there was a time when I wasn't focusing on sleep as much. And of course, when I did that, you know, energy levels would drop throughout the day. Um, and then of course my nutrition. Um, so we're really big on just eating as, you know, clean as possible, not a lot of processed food. And I 100% believe too, that has a huge hand in our energy levels and, um, drinking water. I mean, really just like basic, you know, stay active, drink water, don't eat crap and those and sleep well. And you know, you've got a little bit of extra energy then to get through the day. Rapid fire. How many, how many hours of sleep do you get per night? How much, how much time do you spend in bed and how much of that is, is spent sleeping? Um, try to get eight hours of sleep. That's not always possible, especially with the kids. So, you know, big aim is seven. Um, we believe that the bed is for two things and two things only. And so that sleep and sex. And so if it's not one of those, we're not in bed. So, I mean, if it's pretty much get in bed and then either do the other or just go to sleep. So there's not a lot of extra time in the bed outside of sleeping. And so you're in bed for about eight hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Um, I don't do breakfast, so we pretty much intermittent fast. So um, my first meal, I think we ate at about noon, and it was leftovers from last night's dinner. So it was um, beef and broccoli, and so added some eggs and avocado to it. So um, yeah, we don't do breakfast. So we typically do two meals a day. Was the beef grass-fed eggs free range of quality? Yeah. Good. Yep, you know that. So <laughs> now that's coming in this house, um, unless it's, you know, grass-fed, free-range, you know, organic, we just really try to get the, you know, it's, it's outside of, like, farming it ourselves, we try to get the best quality food we can, um, you know, to put in our bodies. Do you guys do, do you do farmer's markets? Do you do Whole Foods, healthy grocery stores? Where do you get most of your stuff? Right now we're at Whole Foods. Um, it's literally in walking distance from where we live, um, and so we don't have... Um, a farmer's market right in our town. Um, so right now we're just at Whole Foods. Um, our new house, which we are building, there's actually a grass-fed meat truck um, right there where not only do they sell, you know, like just hamburgers and stuff there, but you can get the meat right there from them. Um, so when we move, that's where we'll be getting all our meat from. So just right there from that farmer. So that'll be great. 
and uh, that's that's pretty wild. Um, what type of water do you drink? So we drink Mountain Valley Spring Water. Um, we listened to a podcast from Sean Stevenson on the Model Health Show a while ago, and it was like his water master class. And before that, we were drinking um, I always say it wrong, um, but nine point five water. And um, and so we switched to Mountain Valley, and so we actually get it sh- uh, trucked in and you know um, delivered to us. Um, and so always out of a glass bottle. Um, and we really try to stick to that as much as we can, even when we travel. Um, and so yeah, always Mountain Valley spring water. And I always joke too, because I try to transfer it into a glass, um, bottle, you know, but like, um, a travel bottle when I go somewhere, cause otherwise it just looks like you're drinking like a giant 40 of beer because yeah. it's like in a green glass container. And so, you know, sometimes I'll just be in the car chugging that and I wonder if people are looking at me like wow that mom is just going to town on a big beer in the middle of traffic but it's, it's just spring water <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I have Mountain Valley delivered to my place as well I get I get a couple of the five gallon things and I'm, yeah we have the above. big jugs too and then we like to keep the big bottles and then he really loves sparkling water I don't care for it um and so he also gets their sparkling water uh very cool what advice would you give to your 20 and 30 year old self Ooh, 20-year-old self, I would tell to stay away from credit card companies on college campus. So back when I was in college, the credit card companies could set up tables all over college campuses. I don't think that's allowed anymore. And they would they would entice you with these free t-shirts, and they needed those free t-shirts. And I must have had like 12 different credit cards that I maxed out. And I was in really, really, really bad debt up until, you know, four or five years ago. I mean, it really took me the all of my adult life to to rectify the situation that I put myself in. So if I could go back and talk to my 20-year-old self, it would be much to be much more responsible with my finances and to understand credit a lot better. I think we do a huge disservice in this country in teaching our kids um, the importance of money, the importance of finances, the importance of what really is credit and what it can do to you. Um, and that it's not just like, you know, free money that, you know, there are consequences that go along with it. So that's probably what I tell my 20 year old self, um, my 30 year old self, you know, I'm only 37. So, um, but my 30 year old self, you know, I probably didn't really start eating super clean um, until the past, you know, four years or so. I would say before that, I ate what I thought was healthy. So um, I would probably tell my 30-year-old self to really do a little bit more research and that know that all natural on a box doesn't really mean it's all natural and to really understand where my food is coming from. Um, and I also tell my 30 year old self that you don't need hormonal birth control. Um, one of the best decisions I probably made in the past year and a half was to get off hormonal birth control. Um, so any female out there, um, you really should do your research and realize what kind of damage that's doing to your body long term. What changes did you experience when you went off of birth control or what was, yeah, what was going on beforehand? What, you know, you, for me, I never even realized that anything negative really was going on until I just started reading some books. So just about like, you know, all the things that it can do to you and, and why you really don't need it. And what's interesting is, is since I've gone off of hormonal birth control, one, um, I just, I don't know how to explain it other than I just felt better and I looked less puffy, not that I ever even was puffy, but there definitely was like a noticeable physical difference. Um, and number two is even though 
hormonal birth control is supposed to regulate a female's menstrual cycle. I never really was like that clockwork, regular um, cycle kind of person. And now, ever since then, it is. So I know exactly what day it's coming. I know exactly what day it's going away, um, which is nice because it's allowed me then to simply use um, a a calendar, uh, a fertile calendar to um, kind of, you know, decide whether or not to procreate more humans. But, you know, I just, some of the books out there, I think the first book I read kind of in relation to it was Sexy by Nature. Um, And it just really talks about why female bodies are so different than male bodies. And that was one of the first things that really made me start to question, why am I putting all these things in my body um, when I don't need to? And for a lot of us women, we're on them for, you know, I started when I was like 18. So I didn't go off until I was like 35. So, I mean, you're talking 17 years of just pumping this into your system. Um, And so, you know, I just would really caution all women or just to do your research on why why you're on it or if you really should be what prompted you to pick up that book um so i love reading and um so a lot of times podcasts will mention a book or they'll have an author on and then usually what i do is the minute i hear it just quickly pick up Amazon and, and order it so that I just don't even have a second to think about or forget it. Um, and so that's honestly how it started. Um, I listen, especially for women, I love the Balanced Bites podcast with Diane Sanfilippo and Liz Wolf. Um, you know, so Diane has written Practical Paleo and Liz Wolf wrote uh, Eat the Oaks. And so they often have a lot of just great female authors and people kind of in the nutrition and health world. And so that's where a lot of the books I've read, you know, came from. Um, but even, um, Sean Stevenson, another one of my favorite podcasters, he, um, on his model health show had somebody on there who, um, I think it's called the hormone cure. I'm pretty sure is the name of that book. Um, and so just a lot of these podcasts would just, you know, they have different people on. And so whenever I hear a book, I just, I get it and it's on my Kindle and, or on my iBooks. And so that, you know, when I'm done with the book, it's time to read another one because, you know, the only way we can stay informed is if we inform ourselves. So constantly listening to podcasts, reading books, um, just trying to just stay aware and, you know, be as healthy as possible. Yeah. Um, any other podcasts that you really enjoy and would recommend to someone looking to either improve their health, increase their energy, increase their productivity, time management skills? Yeah. So favorite podcast, Tim Ferriss show, obviously you already referenced him, um, in the four hour work week. Um, I mean, if you just want to feel pumped up and like ready to take on the world, some of the guests you have on there, I mean, you just can't, can't compare. Um, really love the school of greatness with Lewis Howes. Um, his book is also really good. Just finish that. Um, and that's just really, you know, it's like seven things that will help you, um, really continue to like build a brand and build a business. I uh, already mentioned Sean Stevenson, Model Health Show, probably one of my favorites. Um, already said Balance Bites. Um, that's a great one for food and nutrition. Um, I listened to The Shaleen Show, um, and or she also calls it Build Your Tribe, so Shaleen Johnson. Um, so she's big on um, building your brand on Instagram, building online businesses. Um, you know, she's huge now kind of into Periscope and that deal. Um, I also really love Social Media Examiner. So if you're trying to build a brand online, um, that just kind of gives you all the things that you need to know, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, blogging, you know, just every YouTube, every avenue that you can think of from a social media standpoint. I'm pulling it up just so I don't make sure I don't miss anything. Um, I also love the Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn. Um, again, online business. So, you know, if you're really just trying to build a brand um, online, 
So also love online marketing made easy with Amy Porterfield. She's really like super big with Facebook ads, um, Facebook marketing and uh, webinars. So she's great. Um, I also really like um, Entrepreneurs on Fire, John Lee Dumas. Again, just if you really want to be inspired on, you just hear all these great stories of people who just had an idea one day and then it turned into this amazing business. So that's a great one. Um, and yeah, I think that about covers it. Have you seen John's Freedom Journal? Mm-mm. The Kickstarter that he has? I just purchased no. it. I just purchased it yesterday. Uh, Russell Brunson suggested it and he picked one up. Um, so he's got a Kickstarter and it's, it's something along the lines of the five minute journal, but the whole, the purpose of it is for you to achieve your number one goal in the next 100 days. Oh, that's great. And, um, and yeah, so John Lee Dum- uh, Dumas put it out and, um, it's What's it called? The Freedom, the Freedom Journal? Journal. Yeah. So I'll if you Google that. search like Kickstarter the Freedom Journal, um, sure. you can get it. It's like 39 bucks. You get it with all these other things. Speaking of that, another book that really like changed the game for me from a productivity standpoint was yeah. The Miracle Morning. So love that. That was a really, really big one for me. And while I don't do the meditating and I know that I need to, um, that, but The Miracle Morning was, was definitely a good one, good one for me. A lot of great principles. It was one of those ones that I just couldn't stop reading because I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that really makes sense. And one of the things that was in there that really hit home for me was um, that every night before he'd go to sleep, he would just set the intention that he's going to wake up, like, no matter what time it is, no matter how little sleep, like, you, I'm, I'm going to wake up and it's going to be great. And it's so crazy how that small little, like, change in your brain. So pretty much that's why every night I look at my schedule for the next day and I go to sleep going, yeah, it's, it's fine. And sometimes I have a crazy busy schedule, but I just... Set that intention in my mind right away that, yep, I'm going to get through it and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to tackle it and when it's all said and done, then I'll go to sleep and we'll start all over. So that book was was great for me. That was that was my biggest takeaway as well. Um, I actually had a client in town and he was reading that and he, he called me over and he's like, you've got to see this. So I put, I, I caught myself not doing it. Like I'm pretty good at doing what I need to do in the morning and then at night I kept going to bed without setting that intention. So I finally put a big like blue four by six on my wall. And it was like, I'm prepared. I'm going to wake up tomorrow like a kid on Christmas. I'm not going to hit snooze. I'm getting the perfect amount of sleep. And when I wake up, I'm going to feel amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's such a great primer to like bridge the gap between the night. And then when you wake up the next, the next morning, any other suggestions in terms of productivity, time management that you would make uh, before like a last rapid fire round and, and wrapping up? No, I mean, obviously, if you're going to be productive, you have to, you know, have a schedule. You have to, you have to do this. The other thing that I will say I've always done is um, I've always had, like, a goal, but, like, written out with a timeline. Like, I want to have this happen by XYZ date. And I think from a productivity standpoint, when you do that, it forces you to have no choice but to work on your goals. And what's interesting is in um, Lewis Howe's new book, School of Greatness, there's a page in there where it's like this, he's like, go to his website and you can create like this certificate for yourself and you put your goal on there and when you want to achieve it by. And so I did it. I put that little, made a certificate for myself and I slapped it up on my refrigerator and it's still up there. And so, um, and it's funny because my mom came over one day and she's like, what's this little award you want? I'm like, it's not an award. I'm like, it's just a reminder of I need to hit this goal by this date. And um, and so I think from a productivity standpoint, what that does is not only does it remind you daily of, okay, this is what I need to do, um, but it 
it sets a timeline, right? Because if you're just like, okay, I'd really love for this thing to happen, but you don't set a timeline to it. You're not really in a rush for it. And there's no sense of urgency. And I think a lot of time when you create a sense of urgency, you're far more likely to accomplish um, what you set out to accomplish. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of along the same lines of leaving out your workout clothes. Like you talked about, it's like a visual cue to reinforce your goal daily. And then you think like, okay, what have I done today to make that goal happen? I haven't done anything. Then you kind of gives you a kick in the butt. Know that you need yep. to uh, use something. Does Darren do anything different than you to be? Because uh, he's he's productive as well in a in a, a little bit of a different fashion. So opposite. We could not be more opposite when it comes to that. So whereas I'm really good at accomplishing a bajillion things in one day, he is more of like that long term project focus. Right, but yet never loses the energy on that. So, just to give an example, you know, he's really great at building websites, and you know, he could be working on that like every single day for a month for hours at a time. And whereas I couldn't, I couldn't do that, right? But he can, he can just do that. So he's very focused, like long project, one driven focus. Where as little tasks kind of get him um, off task, if that makes sense. So um, whereas like I can do a test, do a test, do a test, and I, and I can stay on task. I, I'm more rapid fire. Whereas if you give me a long project, I lose interest very quickly. He's the opposite. He can really sit down and focus for long lengths of time. Um, you know, he also makes music mixes. Sometimes he will legitimately not sleep for three days until it's just finished. And then, you know, of course, he'll catch up on his sleep. But I could never go that long. So he's amazing focus. Um, and so it's just ours look different. He's productive, more long-term, long project, long range, where it, I just maybe seem more productive because it's a lot accomplished in, in a smaller setting. That makes sense. Does, does Darren meditate? No, we both know we need to like, and it's, you know, we even got headspace app on our phone. We're like, we're totally going to do this. And, and we have not, um, but you know, it's something that's been, you know, something we want to do because you hear just about every successful entrepreneur you hear. That's one of the things that they said has really like just changed the game for them. We, we hold a lot of weight into us moving into our new home. We're building our new home and we really have just designed it to be just optimal for us in every way shape or form and so part of our thinking is that when we move there it'll also be set up better for that because we'll be in an environment that's really just conducive to uh, routine and um, you know kind of putting us in that headspace um, but no right now we're not what, what are some of the things you did with the new home to optimize it so one is, you know, environment's everything for us. We don't like clutter. Um, we need lots of uh, natural light. Um, but we have two, we'll have two offices. So one main office downstairs, um, completely windowed. And so you can see outside, you know, great natural lighting. And then one upstairs, um, more like a sound studio where we can do videos and podcasts. And, and those kind of things and just really be set up from a work standpoint. Um, we have a separate building for our gym, so um, we'll be able to accomplish everything we want from a fitness standpoint. Um, it was really important to him to have an in-ground trampoline um, because every morning he really wants to start his day with just like jumping and just kind of expending some energy. So we'll have, you know, the trampoline and the pool. And um, I have a sunroom that's built off of our master bedroom where I plan on, because I'm an early bird and he's not, I can grab my computer, laptop, really just sit out there, kind of get my plan ready and set for the day, but while just kind of taking in um, some natural light. And so we've really just kind of, 
you know, looked at it from the standpoint, what will our environment be? And we really feel like the better our environment, the happier and more productive we are. So just lots of natural light. And of course, he's a tech guy. So, it, you know, it'll probably be one of those houses where I'm like, turn on. <laughs> you know, but I, so from that standpoint, too, it'll it'll be pretty efficient. How what do you guys do? Do you make do you consciously make sure that you get natural sunlight every day? How how is sunlight a part of your routine, your life? Yeah, so um, again, John Stevenson, I can't shout him out enough. I mean, um, also in his book, Sleep Smarter, um, talks about grounding and vitamin D and how important that is. And we always joke, have you ever gone on a vacation? Like, we love Maui. And we, we call it vacation bedtime. By like 8 p.m., like, I cannot keep my eyes open, right? And then you, you sleep until like 9 a.m. the next day. Why? You were outside the entire day. You were getting all that sun. You, you were grounded. Your feet were, you know, one with the earth. And there's supposedly some kind of, I'm sure I'm messing this all up, but like magnetic frequency that comes up from the ground into your feet. And so um, we do try to be outside as much as possible. You know, one of the things that Darren does first thing when he wakes up is just even in our apartment that the when the blinds open like the light just shines in and he literally just sits there you know Indian style with a thing of water and just drinks the whole water and you know just lets the sunlight hit him so um you know but it's usually just really making sure especially in the in the summer months like okay can we just be out on the porch or you know maybe we'll just go sit out literally on the concrete for you know 10-15 minutes just to get a little bit of that that natural vitamin d but the more we can be outside the better love it and darren's darren's barefoot a lot are you barefoot a lot (laughs) i am um, so obviously, I love shoes. I'm a girl, um, but we're barefoot 100 percent of the time at home. Um, when I work out, I'm barefoot. Um, you know, he he actually likes running barefoot. I kind of think that's crazy um, because there's just you never know what's out there on the sidewalk. But he doesn't seem to mind it. But yeah, I mean, we're pretty much barefoot as much as we can. And if we do have to wear shoes for like a fitness standpoint, then we try to make them as minimal and as close to barefoot as possible. We really love the brand Vivo Barefoot. Um, but of course, you know, a girl still has to have her heels and her, and her high top wedges. But, uh, for the most part, if I'm at home or, you know, not going somewhere, then we try to be barefoot, barefoot or as minimal as possible. Your foot was perfectly designed to run, jump, move, dance. I mean, so, you know, when people give me, you know, they'll see my videos, my workout videos, and I don't have shoes on and they're like, their mind is blown. And I, and whereas my mind is blown that they don't understand. I'm like, so what don't you understand? Your foot was designed to run and jump. You're in your home. So why would you need to put shoes on? All that does is impede what you're trying to do. So Right. Yeah. I, I actually ran this morning for the first time. I got a pair of earth runners and mm-hmm. um, the idea they've got, they're, they're very thin. It's basically like Jesus sandals. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, the whole, the whole purpose is that they allow for that free electron flow between your body and the earth. And, um, and I went for a run on them today and I'm sure everybody at the gym was looking at me like I was a complete nutcase. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's fine. Well, I mean, there's a ton of takeaways here already. I've got, I've got a bunch of podcasts that I'm going to subscribe to and, um, and different things. I've had, a, I've had a great time. I appreciate your time. Where can people go to like find out more about you and what you're up to? Sure. So super easy. Um, my website is I am fit and funky.com. So I am, and then fit and funky.com. So I am fit and funky.com. And then you can find me on social in all those places. So facebook.com forward slash I am fit and funky. Um, on Instagram, I'm just fit and funky. Um, Twitter, I'm not awesome at Twitter, but I am fit and funky on Twitter. Periscope, I am fit and funky. I really love Periscope. So fun. 
Um, technically I'm on Pinterest, but I don't love that either. And then YouTube. So pretty much if you just Google search fit and funky, you'll find me. Um, but, but the easiest way is I am fit and And what are you working on that you've got coming up that you're really excited about for people to keep an eye on? So I have actually, you know, fitness is a noisy, noisy world. And so when trying to figure out where can I stand out in the crowd, um, what I'm working on now is actually kid fitness workouts. So, um, workout, you know, our, our kids, unfortunately, and fortunately, there's it's such a technological world that they are glued to their phones, their iPads, their computers, Xboxes, and, you know, they just don't go outside and play as much. And they, the food that they're given certainly isn't as good either. Um, lots of processed food, lots of, you know, um, my oldest daughter actually wrote a paper a year ago on how I don't feed her real food. And if I really loved her, I would give her pizza rolls and Cheetos like a normal mom. Um, so, um, my, my new focus is really, it's called fit and fun kids, um, which is teaching them that healthy is the new cool. So getting them active, um, showing them that fitness can be fun and that food, healthy food, um, can be delicious too and better for them. So uh, lots of new stuff coming uh, your way with that. Awesome. If parents are interested in that for their kids, what what would you recommend? Um, so right now, just to follow me either, either on Facebook or on YouTube. So right now, I only have two videos out. and um, So those are just housed on my YouTube channel. Um, and it's a separate playlist called Fit and Fun Kids. And of course, I announce everything through um, my Facebook page. Um, but eventually, it'll have its own site and kind of own information. So probably the best thing right now is just to stay connected with me via social. And as it grows, I'll keep everyone updated. Awesome. Danielle, thank you so much. I had a great time. Say hi to Darren for me, and um, I'm excited for you guys to finish the new house, and it sounds yeah. like it's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Quantlet. The Quantlet is a wearable device similar to the Fitbit Charge HR that can help maximize your body's performance. Now, whereas the Fitbit Charge HR does so by providing additional data points and modifying behavior, the Quantlet does so by modifying cellular biology. And it does this through a concept called photobiomodulation. Photobiomodulation delivers multiple frequencies of light into the body, specifically through the radial and ulnar arteries on the wrist. And these frequencies have been scientifically proven to improve tissue repair, reduce inflammation, and eradicate pain. The end result to you is increased exercise capacity, delayed onset of fatigue, better mood, and improved sleep patterns. The Quantlet also extracts heat from the body using the Peltier effect through a thermoelectric cooling mechanism, which then improves your body's capacity to perform at its best because of this light and cold energy. The Quantlet is available for pre-order at www.thequantlet.com forward slash biohacks. That's www.quantlet.com forward slash biohacks. The Quantlet will be released in September 2016, and I've got my pre-order in already, and I can't wait. Today's episode is brought to you by drpaulik.com, your go-to resource for pulsed electromagnetic field information and therapy devices. I personally use a number of Dr. Pollock's products, including the PEMF120 and the FlexPulse. The PEMF120 has been shown to accelerate recovery, improve performance, reduce swelling. It produces intensities between 1,000 and 15,000 Gauss, which stimulate all levels of the body, affecting the individual cells that make up tissues, organs, and complete body cells. 
systems. It is not a portable device, but it's incredibly powerful and it's a non-invasive solution for pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. If you're in the market for something with a little bit lower intensity, something that's more portable, then I recommend the Flex Pulse. It produces similar results and, and similar pulsed electromagnetic fields, but at a much smaller intensity, and some people believe at an intensity that is more biocompatible. The system has six preset programs with varying frequencies to leverage the power of electromagnetic energy to treat a host of conditions and to optimize physical and mental performance. Dr. Pollock's products have been leveraged to treat everything from Alzheimer's, lumbar disc disease, depression, anxiety, Lyme's disease, multiple sclerosis, osteoarthritis, spinal cord injuries, seizures, epilepsy, sleep disorders, sports injury recovery, and much, much more. I recommend pulsed electromagnetic field therapy to many of my clients and listeners, and drpollock.com has some of the best products on the market. You can check out the PMF120 and the Flex Pulse and the rest of Dr. Pollock's products at www.drpawluk.com. That's drpollock.com, www.drpawluk.com.